Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Today we're going to be in in, uh, the book of John. It's in the New Testament. It's the fourth book in the New Testament if you're looking at a paper Bible. The first four books of the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. It's going to be three-quarters of the way through a paper Bible. You're also welcome to use your smartphone. Uh, just find the book of John. Now, there's, there's the book of John, and then there's also way toward the end of the Bible, there's 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Those are little books. This is the bigger book, the Gospel of John. For an introductory thought, don't hate me, but I'm going to use a sports illustration. And I know some of us like the sports stuff, yay, and others are like, oh, great, I don't know the sports. Anyway, even if you don't know much about sports, you may have heard this in the news, and it was, uh, happened a little over a month ago. Andrew Luck's retirement stunned the NFL. Did anybody hear about this? I heard about this, and I don't follow sports super. Okay, those of you that don't follow, it's okay. We'll get you up to speed. No big deal. Don't be hating. It's all right. Here's what it said. Indianapolis Colts quarterback Andrew Luck stunned stunned the football world with the announcement of his retirement at age 29. Retiring at age 29. Um, A little more about it. There was actually quite a buzz during the time. A couple reasons I think a lot of people were talking about it. Some were critical, some not so much. But it said uh, in one New York Times uh, article, it says, Defenders of Luck said he was putting his well-being ahead of his career. It's because he's had several injuries. But critics saw his exit as a sign that he was too soft. So I'm not going to get into the rightness or the wrongness of that whole thing. What I want to do with that is transition and ask all of you, myself as well, a question, and the question is this, how quickly do I quit by nature? How quickly do you quit? Are you thinking about it? If you're like me, it depends on what we're talking about. The other day, I went, tried to get through a, go through a drive through for a Diet Coke. There were more than four people in line. I'm like, I quit. I just drove on. I'm not waiting that long for a diet. Not that a bit of donut. Maybe I'd have stayed for quite some time. But it's a Diet Coke. I'm like, ah. And so it kind of just depends. Um, I'm still trying to exercise, even though I'm getting really old. Uh, so I, I, but I'm still running. Even though it kind of hurts when I run, I still run. This is a little side note. There's a... a uh, a younger lady in the church was talking to my wife the other day, and she had seen me out running. It's not really running. Picture a gazelle <laughs> with broken legs. It looks probably like that. But anyway, this woman said to my wife, she said, oh, I saw your husband out running. And, uh, and she actually said, he looked pretty bad. <laughs> and, well, God bless you. <laughs> At least I'm moving. Anyway. It's kind of funny. I probably do look pretty bad. Um, anyway, the question is, you know, how quickly do you quit? This is, uh, one thing I've, I'm doing okay in, 
Uh, my wife and I are going to celebrate 30 years of marriage coming up. Don't no, no, it's okay. Hey, we may not make it. You never know. It's coming up this next spring. No. But I, you know, so you get the idea. There are certain things. Sometimes it's okay, maybe easy to quit. Other things. But what we're going to apply this to is our spiritual life. So that's a, that is important. Can I just tell you that when we apply this to our commitment to Christ, spiritual endurance, now pay attention to this, spiritual endurance is a necessity. Spiritual endurance is a necessity. Colossians 1.21. We're going to dive a little deeper into a few texts today, so have your endurance on. Uh, sometimes I would cut this down and make it a little easier, but we're going to lean in a little bit. It says once, here's a description. Basically, the first few verses are a description of the gospel, of the fact that we were lost and need a Savior, and Jesus came to die on a cross for our sin. It says... Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he, that's a reference to Jesus. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in God's sight. Woo! That's exciting. You, through the, bot, through, through the sacrifice of Jesus, we get to appear holy in the sight of God. By the way, how many of you know you're, you ain't holy? Turn to the person right and left and say, no, don't, you're not cutting it. Because we're not. Right? We've all got our stuff. But because of the huge sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we appear holy. You don't have to keep telling him that. She's like, no, seriously, you are really not holy. <laughs> like, seriously, did you hear that? She says, lighten up. You can go, go back at her. Where am I? I don't know where I am. What? Okay. But now he, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body to present us holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That is the great news of Jesus. But you've got to go on with the verse. And it says, if, if. You continue in your faith. That's a big if. There, endurance, spiritual endurance, really matters. In Hebrews ten thirty six, it says you need to persevere. It, it, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about perseverance. Got to keep going. Got to get up when you fall. You got to maintain and keep leaning in even though it's hard. So hold those thoughts. We're in this series called Missing Pieces, Rediscovering the Essentials of Genuine Faith. And one of the essentials of faith is we got to keep going. And we're going to talk about today, keep going even when other people's, other people, people are quitting. And just a, just a side note, I think it happens fairly regularly. How many of you know someone, maybe it is you, like you had a season where you said, man, I'm going to follow God, and we don't want to quit, we don't plan on it, but something happens, or we get disgruntled or whatever, and then you go into a whole season of, if, if we're really honest, we quit, right? Two, two, two months ago, you know, you were following God, and you were doing what you can, and then all of a sudden this happened, or they happened, or this, and then you're just like, no, I'm, I'm just, practically speaking, you're done. 
And it's not unusual for me to have conversations with people. And in the midst of their story, they'll tell story, tell story, vibrant life with God, or I was following Jesus and I became a Christian. And then they'll say, well, that when I was 22 then, <laughs> then you know, and they're like 44 now. And, and there's like this giant gap of, we may not say, oh, I quit my faith, but come on. Reality is, we quit. It's a bad move. Um, so we're going to look at a text today where there's two groups. One group, they, they, basically, they quit, and there's another group who doesn't quit even though a bunch of people are quitting. So we're going to study that a little bit. In John 6, here's the background. Jesus is doing ministry. He's teaching, and actually... Things are going well. A lot of people are deciding, I like Jesus and his teaching's amazing. And some people are deciding he's the son of God, all this stuff. So numbers are going up. But then on this day, he teaches this thing that's kind of hard to understand. And so he starts to talk about him being the bread of life and talking about offering his flesh. Basically, it's, a, it's an insight into what we would now call communion and the Lord's Supper. But it's confusing at the time. In verse 51, Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And he says, this bread is my flesh. And so people there, I think, are going, ooh. Because it would be easy to interpret this as some kind of cannibalism thing. Man, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, that's, that's like vampire stuff. We're not... And so, long story short, because this teaching's hard, a lot of people go, I, okay, I really liked it, but this is too weird, and I'm quitting. So, let's read it. Verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. I want to bounce down to verse 66, which is somewhere up there. Second sentence toward the end. It says... From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? He said to the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Title of the talk this weekend is Spiritual Resilience, Standing When Others Are Falling Away. And I want to give you two keys to the long-term spiritual life. Here's my hope. Wouldn't it be great if in two months we were all still doing this? That'd be neat. Like everybody that's listening, like we were still engaged, even if life gets, even if it gets hard or confused. Or what about this, if in two years, like, all right. I'm still following Jesus. Not with perfection. You know, there's, there's going to be ups and downs, but I am still on the journey. Wouldn't it be awesome if in 20 years we were all still doing that? 
So these couple principles will help us, I think, have longevity in our spiritual life. Let me pray. Talk to us, God, so that we can be around you and following you for a long time, even if we're just getting started. I pray a special blessing on those that maybe are just exploring you or maybe they're just checking out what, what this God thing is or church thing is. God, invite them today to the, to the journey. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Two things that I see in the text that will help us in our spiritual longevity. The first one is the long-term spiritual life requires enduring some, and this is a fill in the blank on your handout, hard teachings. Hard teachings. That's, this, that's what it says in the translation, in the uh, scripture. It says, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. And again, he's talking about his, he's the bread of life and his flesh and all that. And like, this is a hard teaching. Uh, I want to explore that word hard teaching a little bit in the original language. The New Living Translation says, this is very hard. So they were saying, this is very hard to understand. But the word is not just difficult to understand. It means hard or rough or harsh. There's a, there's a big emphasis. It means that the, the person teaching it is stern or stiff or stubborn or unyielding. It means describing the teaching and the teacher who won't budge. In other words, Jesus is saying, my flesh is real food. My, I am the bread of life. And then when people said, I don't know if we like that, he said it again. He didn't change the teaching. Now get this. He didn't change the teaching just because we didn't quite get it. And I want to explore that a little bit. The reality, the reality of God is just because we don't get it doesn't mean he's going to change the reality of the truth. Now, I think this, is, does that make sense? It's a little bit hard for us because we live in a world a lot of times where people in authority over us, they will shift according to whatever we, well, <laughs> you could put it this way. If we whine just a little bit, like, I don't get it. That seems hard. And then sometimes people in authority will say, oh, well, if you don't like that way, we'll do it a different way. And they'll adjust. So like parents, sometimes this isn't bad, will say, I would have said to, to my kids at some time, hey, uh, I want you to clean your room, bef clean your room before supper. And if they say, "Oh well, but I've got an exam, or I've got this to do and this to do," you know what I might do is I might adjust. I might say, "Oh, well, I didn't know that," and so okay, you can you can do it in the morning. Does that make sense? Not all, that's not all bad because I don't have all the information about their life. God has all the information about your life. When He tells you to do something. He knows what's going on. In fact, he knows better than we do. And so he does not say, clean your room. And then we go, oh, but I didn't, it doesn't feel right to me. And then he does not go, oh, well, then that's okay. I was wrong. I didn't really need you to clean your room. I, it just, it's not because he's, he's God and he doesn't shift. Like some of you don't like this part of God. Did you know you can whine and whine and whine? And if he was saying, I'm the bread of life, I don't like it. I'm the bread of life. Change that. I am the bread of life. He would just keep coming back to the same thing, even though we don't like what it is. And, of course, the danger here is because we don't like it, then we quit. I don't like that. 
You can write this on your handout. Many disciples left when Jesus didn't bend or adjust. Or he just said, no, I meant what I said. And I said what I meant. And I'm not changing it just because you find it difficult to understand or a little irritating to your life. By the way, this is kind of the hard part of following God. <laughs> it's because he's God, we're not. And this is a deal. If you have an authentic relationship with Jesus, there will be times when he appears to be fairly Something fairly direct and unbending and almost just in your face. Okay, let me give you some examples. These are all scriptures. I'm in my personal Bible time, I'm in the book of Luke, and I just read this last week, I think. These are all individuals saying, I want to follow you, Jesus. And he's almost kind of harsh, his response. One says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He's just preparing them. We ain't got no place to stay. So what he said, right, right. He doesn't even say, well, I'm so glad you're here. He just says, just so you know, I don't have any place to stay. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, this seems kind of harsh. Let the dead bury their own dead. That seems a little something. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. First, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And he replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of heaven. Do you see the edginess of the Savior of the world? And at no, here's an interesting thing about the text. We don't know what they, how they responded. We don't know if they went, well, that's too harsh. I'm going to go back and say goodbye anyway. We don't know. But I do know that how they respond in the midst, in the midst of the edgy clarification of Jesus is a determining factor in whether they're going to be long-term spiritually successful. Folks, it happens. Jesus brings clarity, and then we have to respond. And, of course, this talk is about don't quit. Don't quit just because Jesus brings clarity in your life. And he is so faithful and consistent. This last week, this is a, not a great example, but welcome to Vineyard. I use a lot of average examples. Um, I, uh, a guy, yeah, welcome. Somebody, if, if, if you've got somebody new next to you, you can go, it's true. Some of his examples are really average. This last week, beginning of the week, I, there was a little bit of a, just a little relational friction I had with, a, with an acquaintance of mine. And it felt like God nudged me and he said, hey, this week I want you to talk to them because I don't want you to end up in any relational friction. Does that make sense? Does God ever like prompt you say, yeah. And so he said, I want you to do that. And I basically in my heart responded, yeah, I don't know if that's a great idea. You ever do that? A bunch of liars? Yeah, you do. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're like, I don't, that doesn't seem like that high of a priority. It was just a little tiny little thing. And so my first response is, I don't know about that, God. Well, about three hours later, I was going on with life, and I tried to include God in my thoughts and different things. And I, it was like God brought it up again. By the way, when you see so-and-so this week, I know I want you to talk to him to make sure that everything's 
Okay, oh, I don't know. La, 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 la. Anyway, two days later, and then the, nope, there, there the person was, and guess what God said to me again? Hey, remember what I told you? I'm serious. Go do it. And so I, 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 was, I was having a good day, so I did say, hey, can we talk? And got that figured out. But that's just how God works. And I want to give you just a little caution, and I don't know if this will land with some of you. A little bit of caution. Beware of the little moments of disobedience that feel like they're not all that important because if God asks us to do something and we say no, we begin to wander out into this land of I didn't pay attention to what he says, then I don't pay attention to what he says. And one of the things I've experienced with God, and sometimes then we don't wander back because you know what happens if we wander back? God brings up the conversation again in the same way. Oh, nice to see you again. Yeah, it's been three weeks. Guess what you were supposed to do three weeks ago, Mark? I thought by now you'd forget God and you wouldn't make me go do that. But he doesn't. He says, go get. And I think I've observed, and it's a temptation, we wander out in the middle of nowhere because we don't quite like what God told us to do or we don't quite like what the Bible says. And so rather than live with that friction, we end up, practically speaking, we quit. Sometimes then we make up our own little gospel and we make up our own little, oh no, I'm good. And, you're, and reality is we're just far from God doing our own thing. So let me finish this point with two challenges. The first one is endure some tension. When God gets involved in your moral life and he says, that is not your wife, quit having sex with her. You've got a decision to make on whether you'll endure that tension with the Lord and work that out with him or whether you'll just go, I don't like that teaching and you just take off. Endure the tension. Now, I do have some good news. He is gracious and compassionate, and he understands that, like, sexual temptation is hard. He doesn't. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like I'm going on a tangent, but welcome to Vineyard. He goes on tangents. Um, He knows that those temptations that we have are difficult. That's why he sends his spirit. That's why he brings encouragement. That's why we repent and then we mess up and he says, repent again. And he says, come. Does that make sense? But he, but he, endure the tension. Just repent and then repent again and say, God, this is a hard teaching and this is really hard, but, but I'm in. God, I'm in. Even though it's hard, I'm not going to quit trying to follow you. That'll change your life. Just the, just the idea, I'm going to be in, even though this thing is hard. Endure the tension. That's good preaching, Mark. Thanks. That was, like, that'll just change our life if we just, next point. And the other idea is submit to lordship. This is actually makes some of the tension easier if at some point we just go, God, you are in charge. I'm going to believe that you're smarter than me. And when you say this is the way it works or when the Bible says this, I'm going to just begin to go, I believe you know what you're talking about. I may not understand it all. This may be difficult, but I am going to obey you. You become the Lord. 
You become the master. I'll serve you. It makes, act, it makes life a little easier, actually. So that was the first idea. It's enduring some hard teachings. And we're going to hit one more. The long-term... Did I feel, get all the fill-in-the-blanks in there for that first one? Okay. The long-term spiritual life requires considering our alternatives. That may not be a great way to say it. But Peter, in the text, considering our, our alternatives, in the text... He says something, this is brilliant. When Peter says to Jesus, Lord, because Jesus is saying, you going to quit? And he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? And this is my interpretation of that. He has, he's at least has enough forethought to think about, well, what happens if I'm not following you and I go someplace? What does that look like? And I want to push this a little bit. Folks, there's so much benefit to forethought and not just criticism or critical thinking. Have you ever experienced this? I'll bet you have, where people are overcritical. Well, let me just try to illustrate. After church today, someone could say to you, let's go to McDonald's. You know, like it's a group thing. There is an opportunity for, you know, you, maybe a friend or two. You're like, hey, let's go get something to eat. And someone says, well, let's go over to McDonald's. And then the, the ultra-critical person or the unfuture-thinking critical person will go, oh, I don't know if I want to go. Let's not go to McDonald's because they don't have Pepsi products. It's all Coke products. And then so someone else will say, okay, well, we don't have to do McDonald's. Let's go to Arby's. And the person will go, oh, Ar oh well, Arby's has the curly fries. And they're kind of scary to me because sometimes you just don't know how they're going to come out. It reminds me of this. <laughs> and so you go, okay, okay, well, okay, so McDonald's is a little thing. Okay, let's just get a pizza. We'll order a pizza. Well, I don't know. The pizza, it's going to take 20 minutes. Unless you do Little Caesars and then Little Caesars. And, and you know what happens? You had this opportunity to go have fellowship and food and be with other people, and eventually three, four, five critical thoughts into it, everybody just goes, okay, I guess we're doing nothing. We're going to go home. Well, what are we going to eat at home? Green beans. <laughs> Did you just say woo? And that's super exciting to this section. But you know what I mean? They just go, we're going to go eat beans. But I think if you see that the, uh, the illustration is we, it's easy to think of the little things that are hard or the difficult things, but we end up messing up our future because we don't have enough forethought to think, wait, 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 what, what am I, what? Okay, so here's what I think probably happened in this text when the, the pretty large group of disciples, they didn't like this teaching. Well, I don't know, this teaching about bread and, I don't like this one, and so they quit. I'll, I wonder I actually think this probably happened. Three hours later, right? Here's this group of people. By the way, they have been experiencing personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They have been watching miracles happen. Some of them had probably participated in life-changing ministry and excitement and all this. And Jesus' teaching, which would have had, you know would have been amazing and awesome and set their hearts on fire for eternal things, like all that good stuff. But now they didn't like that one thing, and so they quit. And they're walking home, 
and let's say there's three hours and they get to a place, and you know somebody's going to say, let's pretend it's the evening, someone's going to say, well, what are we, we going to do tonight? I guess we should have thought of that before we quit. Wouldn't it be easy to go, well, what are we going to do tonight? And then, to me, then that picture just gets kind of disappointing. Well, I don't know. What are you going to do? Go get some curly fries. No, they're too scary. Or what, I mean, or what happens two days from then when they get up and they're going back to their old life and then they remember, what am I going to do? Oh, well, I guess we could go to the synagogue. Well, who's, who's teaching? Oh, nobody. It's going to be really bad compared to whatever Jesus was talking about. Does that make sense? And we lose sight of the amazing, hope-filled life with, that we can have with Jesus because of that one hard thing, and we end up missing out on Peter. Peter was just brilliant when he thought about, wait a minute, where, where else are we going to go? Two things that we risk when we quit. The first thing you can write down is personal relationship. When we quit, see if we hang in there and we endure the tension and we, we don't quit too quickly, we get to have the personal relationship. The apostles, the 12 that stayed, they get to keep walking with Jesus. And they get to keep hearing his teaching. And some of them Later, there's one story about uh, uh, one of the 12 named John. They get to have like the last supper with Jesus. John gets to lean back against the shoulder of Jesus and just ask him questions. See, the people who leave, they don't get to do that. Quitting risks our personal relationship. The other thing, it, it risks our purpose in life. I am so glad... This is just my testimony, and probably there are others that would agree. I am so glad one of the primary reasons I am grateful for God's grace in my life is because he's given me a purpose beyond all the stuff I was pursuing before I knew him. I was, anybody, like what, what would I do if I went back to, to not following Jesus? Am I just going to pursue some adrenaline rush experience how you know those don't last that long or i'm gonna or some um some buzz that only lasts a few hours and then the next morning anybody ever have in your history like you, you got super buzzed the night before and then the next morning it felt like your head was just gonna crack like don't lie some of you've experienced this you Right? Where you drank all that stuff, you did all that because you were like, yeah, because this is really great, man. I was so wasted last I know, you were so, but the next morning you wake up and you're like, someone just shoot me because I can't feel my head. You, everybody's being all churchy like, I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. Is that, is that for those people who do drugs or drink that alcohol? Some of you. There's probably four of us in the room right now going, yeah, I know, that was last night in my house. 
I want to get saved today because my head is, well, Jesus help me with my head or whatever. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's somebody right now going, he knows. <laughs> I thought I was faking it, but. Anyway, the idea that I would submit to you. And I want to be, the idea, you know, life with God, life with God is still hard a lot of times. It's still a challenge. We don't immediately get transformed into heaven when we receive Jesus. In this life, there's trouble. But can I tell you, I would rather walk through this difficult life with Jesus by me than try to navigate this difficult life without him. That's just the way it works. So the next time you're, here's a last fill in the blank. Before we turn away from faith, take a long look at life without God. Before we turn away, you know, in two weeks or in two months, or maybe there are folks in the room right now, you're in a season of turning away or, you know, you got derailed. Don't go away. Jesus Christ alone has the words of life. And in two years or in four years, when you go through that difficult time, draw on these principles. Why don't you stand and we'll move into a time of prayer. You guys have been great today. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.